The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to the 231st ever show of All Around Sports. Reach Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, we broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at iirsportsoneword.com. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, bizarre news items, and events of the past week that I attended. Also, we will be joined later by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. Well, my highlight of the week and event of the week that I attended was uh, watching, really, the greatest first weekend ever in March Madness tournament history, which for me included covering the first two rounds in Providence. Uh including last Saturday's uh, second round, consisting of the two games, which saw Miami beat Wichita State and Duke top Yale. I had the same seat from Thursday, St. Patrick's Day, which was right at midcourt behind Len Elmore and Chris Weber, uh, announcing on television. And uh, so it was great to be there again on Saturday. And... Front and center for the Yale comeback, near comeback, I should say, against Duke in the second half. Uh, Duke ran, was awesome in the first half, ringing up threes, uh, shooting the lights out. And then uh, Yale, to their credit, uh, really stormed back in the second half to make it a game. And it was just, uh, it was wonderful. Uh, really took it to the last minute against Duke, story Duke. And uh, the entire arena was on its feet, uh, hoping to see something really, really special. They had certainly seen something special from Yale on Thursday uh, when they beat upset Baylor. Uh, but, unfortunately, the Ivy Leaguers, uh, you know, fell short. But they really just, uh, you know, showed themselves to be quality team, really showed up in this tournament. Uh, it was awesome to watch. I mean, they, you know, on Thursday in their uh, monumental upset of Baylor, it was the first ever NCAA tournament win. Uh, 
Keep in mind, New Haven, Connecticut, where Yale is located, only an hour or so down the road from Providence. So there was just tons of Yale fans, and I'm sure they came from a lot of places further away than New Haven. And uh, it just had, you know, it just captured the whole arena, certainly against Baylor, as I discussed on my show last Friday. But then, uh, you know, Saturday afternoon against Duke, when they drew within, you know, uh, three, four, five points in the last minute or two of the game. It was just really uh, some pretty special stuff, even though uh, they couldn't close the deal. And Duke is not a team that is likely to give up, uh, you know, a lead at the end uh, by missing foul shots. Duke, of course, made their foul shots, and that was that. In the other game, first game, uh, which began at noon, um, Miami, the U, Proved to be just too much for Wichita State. Uh, and it was just really a, an absolute pleasure to watch up close and personal three of the best and most recognizable veteran guards in the country. Angel Rodriguez from the Hurricanes had a career high 28 points. Uh, and Ron Baker and Fred Van Vliet from the Shockers. Uh, you know. As I said last week, it seems like these two guys have been around forever. Really, all three of them. Uh, Rodriguez as well. And uh, just nice to see, you know, they had these huge senior years. And uh, that was a great game to watch. Miami was pretty much in control throughout. Uh, Shockers closed uh, to make it a game. I think the score was something like, you know, 20-4. to Miami ahead early. And Wichita State's one of those teams, you know, I just looked up at the score and I didn't even think twice that Wichita State would not come back and make a close game of it. They did, of course. And, uh, but, you know, Miami, uh, clearly the better team that day. But again, watching those three, you know, ultra recognizable guards that have been coming into our living rooms for the last three, four years, uh, you know, usually at tournament time and, and beyond, was really special stuff. Uh, shout out here to the Wichita State fans. They were just simply awesome. Miami fans were good too, but Wichita State, uh, it, it just means so much to them. I mean, that's their identity. What can you say? Uh, which uh, Shocker basketball is their thing. And they were there in droves and they're black and gold. And it was just really, really fun to be around. They were sitting right behind me. So I was getting the full effect, especially when they were uh, mounting the comeback and just terrific stuff. A couple of great coaches with great press conferences, you know, Greg Marshall from uh, Wichita State, Jim Laranega from Miami. So it just really was wonderful. And let me also add that Providence, which basically last Thursday was... uh, (laughs) held a giant street party with St. Patrick's Day teams, you know, fans from eight teams in the in the city. It was just a gigantic street party. And they basically did it again on Saturday. Another gigantic street party uh, all day, all night. It was just awesome. You had Providence College playing that night. Uh, so a lot of excitement for that. True basketball city, if ever there was one. So it was a giant hoop festival for basically... Uh, four or five days, uh, highlighted by Thursday and Saturday, which were the two game days. So just awesome. 
Well, sticking with the NCAA tournament, my low light of the week was I was Adam Woodbury pushing, repeat, pushing the tempo player from behind to get the putback for the game winner. I like buzzer beaters as much as anyone. That's why I watch. That's why we all watch. But it was a blatant push from behind as the guy was about to get the rebound or at least tie it up with Woodbury. And it decided the game. I noticed it immediately, live, and was shocked that it was ignored until it was uh, mentioned in passing at the end of the broadcast when announcers acknowledged the push. And that's pretty much the end of it. Uh, Just horrible, horrible call. I hate to, non-call, I should say. I hate to, you know, dwell on officials' calls and non-calls. But it was just so bad, and especially since the score was tied. So you just have to make that call since it would just mean OT. It's not like you make the call and you've, like, cost Iowa the game. You didn't make the call and it cost Temple the game. Uh, you got to make the call. It goes to overtime and see what happens from there. My bizarre story of the week was, uh, like for all of us, watching Northern Iowa blow the 12-point lead with 34 seconds to go uh, against Texas A&M last Sunday night. The largest lead ever lost in the last minute of an NCAA tournament game. Uh, you know, I luckily I was taping it, rewatched it, and the craziest sequence of all time. <laughs> four or five turnovers, you know, the sequence of events you could not ever uh, predict, create, plan. It was just everything that could go wrong for Northern Iowa went wrong, and everything that could go right for A&M went right. It was just a remarkable, remarkable thing to witness. Uh let me just say, since I uh, hit on the officials in the previous discussion, uh, previous point, the officials handled this beautifully. They made all the right calls, did not, you know, in any way affect the outcome. And it was just a remarkable, remarkable uh, thing to watch. Never seen anything quite like it. I don't think any basketball fan ever has. I mean, the announcers were saying it in real time. Just that. They've never seen anything like it. Uh, so if you can get a hold of that or watch it on Google or whatever, YouTube, it is 34 seconds of basketball unlike anything that's ever, ever been played before. Uh, all credit to Texas A&M for pulling it off. Uh, they were given gifts which they gladly accepted. Northern Iowa just, you know, doing all the wrong things and exacerbated by the fact that their, quote, inbounder was on the bench with, I believe, leg cramps. So it was just, you know, again, uh, everything that could go wrong went wrong. Everything that could go right went right for Texas A&M. And let's keep in mind, by the way, that uh, uh, Northern Iowa got there. The only reason they were even in this game was because of a half-court shot that was made on Friday that, you know, is arguably the all-time buzzer beater in the NCAA tournament. And that's that's really saying something, but uh, a lot of people seem to be thinking, you know, there's never really been a, uh, you know, 
tournament game decided by a midcourt shot at the buzzer. So that's exactly what happened with Northern Iowa, and uh, it was truly, truly something to behold. Alas, last night, uh, no buzzer beaters in, in the four games that were played, um, you know, which was uh, too bad. I mean, they were good, solid games, but, you know, after what we've seen, which is, you know, oh, oh by the way, at the same time, Northern Iowa was uh, giving it up. Wisconsin was winning on their own buzzer beater to beat Xavier in front of Bill Murray. We all, that shot is now iconic of him in shock. Uh, and, you know, other buzzer beaters from last weekend included Providence beating USC, uh, Notre Dame, and we had the Cincinnati dunk that could have been a buzzer beater, but it was waved off. It came a millisecond after the uh, buzzer went off, i.e. the backboard lit up in red. Uh, it was a good call. Uh, again, spoiled watching all the upset winners, including uh, from last weekend, including you know Middle Middle Tennessee beating Michigan State in the mother of all upsets. Since I, like millions of other Americans, had Michigan State getting not only getting in the Final Four, I had them losing to Kansas in the championship game. So uh, my bracket, like everyone else's, was instantly destroyed. Um, what can I say? At least I didn't have them winning at all. So that was a shocker of shockers. Uh, Stephen F. Austin beating, uh, uh, winning their game. Um, Hawaii topping California. Uh, Stephen F. Austin beat West Virginia, by the way. Uh, Arkansas Little Rock beating Purdue. And of course, the Yale and the Northern Iowa upset. So really special stuff last weekend. Uh Again, no buzzer beaters last night, but we'll see what happens tonight with uh, uh, pretty good games. Notre Dame, Wisconsin, Indiana, North Carolina. Uh, also, uh, Iowa State, Virginia, and Gonzaga, Syracuse. And now let's take our break, and we'll talk more sports on the other side. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine. From the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week, Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. 
If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144. Or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when we often have guests. And on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing well, John. How are you all? I'm doing great, thank you. appreciate you calling in as always. And... Uh, for you and I, who are huge college sports fans, uh, it's a great time of year. Uh, started off the show saying that I thought, I and many others thought last weekend was the greatest opening weekend in the history of the NCAA tournament, as I detailed at the end of the previous segments with buzzer beaters and upsets. Uh, it was a mix over four days, unlike anything I can ever remember. Yeah, yeah, John, it was terrific. I mean, some of those games, I mean, you're just on the edge of your seat at the end. And when you finally saw the conclusion, you're in disbelief. Totally. Uh, well, we, I talked about the mother of all upsets with uh, Middle Tennessee State beating handily, I might add, uh, Michigan State to destroy 98% of the brackets out there. <laughs> but uh, that aside, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> the, you know, the, that that was secondary, really. You know, the take-home memory, I think, for just about everybody, unless you're a fan of a particular team, uh, has to be the Northern Iowa, uh, you know, giving it up, the giving up the largest lead ever in the history of the NCAA over the course of the final minute. Uh, ahead 12 points with 34 seconds to go. Need, need we say more? And they lost the game. Luckily, I taped it, so I was able to watch and re-watch it, and, you know, it's, I don't want to bash Northern Iowa. God knows what they had done to get there with the midcourt shot was epic on Friday night, but, you know, it, it was a clinic and how not to do it, and everything you could do wrong, they did do wrong. Uh, incredible to watch. I've never seen anything quite like it, and I've been watching a lot of basketball my entire life. John, they could have owned the state of Texas, right? Beat Texas, Correct. Texas A&M back to back, and, and and maybe be headed towards Houston. But 
yes, you're, you're right. They they were trying to get the ball in the corners and the, the errant passes and the and, and when you're going out of bounds, the coaches will always tell you, don't throw it to, right right to the opponent. If you have to, just throw it down the other end of the court or something. Let, let somebody chase after. But they threw it right underneath the basket when they they were trying to make the save. So th- there was a lot of things that, looking back, I'm sure they're going to live with this forever and just be so disappointed in, in you know some of the actions and some of the things that happened at the end of the game. It, it, the biggest comeback I've, I've ever seen, I mean, as you watching basketball many, many years, and I, I'm thinking, well, they have to hit a three-pointer right here to have anything happen, boom. The, 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 I can't remember which one he hit the three-pointer, and then I'm saying, well, Let's see what happens here, you know, down by nine or whatever it was, I think, at the time. So it was a, a series of events you'll not see replicated soon. Well, exactly. And that's what I talked about in the opening segment was, like, just the sequence. You know, you start with the fact that their uh, inbounder uh, was on the sidelines with leg cramps, I believe. Uh, so it starts from there. Uh, the other thing that just jumped out at me right off the bat was, you know, that he was inbounding under the basket uh, every time, four or five in a row, uh, which, you know, I learned on day one uh, as like a sixth grader playing basketball, you know, <laughs> literally day one, never inbound under the basket because if you try to throw a baseball pass, obviously you're going to hit the back of the backboard. So that eliminates the baseball pass uh, down the court. Um <laughs> <laughs> that was amazing, and then two of the, you know, twice into the corners, both of which, you know, they tried to, you know, bounce it off the Texas A&M player. Uh, both ended up going right in their hands, and a split second later, they're just laying it in. I mean, again, it was just an incredible sequence, the likes of which we've never seen. The kid who hit the three-pointer uh, had his first bucket of the night with like a minute or two to go in the game. And he, he finished with 22 points. I mean, you talk about getting hot. I mean, just stuff again. You can't make this stuff up. Uh, it, it was just remarkable to see. And, and then even in the middle of all that, they actually, you know, did throw a baseball pass and did have like a dunk. So it wasn't like they shut him out, you know, 12 nothing. Northern Iowa actually had, you know, a runaway dunk in the middle of all that, but it only took up like two seconds. It was, the guy was that open, dunked it. Next thing you know, they're right back the other end, Texas A&M's, you know, stealing it, whatever, and scoring more points. So just incredible to see, I'll tell you. But one of just many, many incredible things that went on. Uh, So, yeah, do you have a top memory other than the Northern Iowa game? Anything else just... Stick with you from last weekend. I think that ninety points by Middle Tennessee was pretty impressive, John. I mean, it's one thing we play a, a low-scoring, tight ball game, but when you you score ninety points against a team that prides himself on defense and rebounding, I think that's that's uh, pretty significant. Yes, it was just remarkable to watch. I mean. Let's face it, Michigan State is, you know, and Tom Izzo, if you had to pick one word, uh, you know, to describe them, uh, probably the word would be, at least from a, from a filling out bracket point of view, dependable. <laughs> I mean, 
you can count on this team to just, you know, show up every game they have for years and years and years. And then to, you know, I mean, how, ma- how many people had them, you know, in the final four, like literally 90, 90% plus nationwide for sure. Many people had them yeah. winning the national championship. I had them in the, the game, but losing to Kansas. And for them to just get literally trounced, um, you know, was it was just stunning to see. Again, all credit to you know, Middle Tennessee State, but you know, this is about Michigan State losing, and you just you never thought you'd see it from a Tom Izzo coach team and the tradition they've built there is you know everything but what we saw last Friday afternoon. Put it that way. Yeah, uh, it, when I saw the headline, I didn't happen to see very much of the game. I couldn't, I couldn't believe it, John. I just said Michigan State. I, I, I was thinking about, well, they're, they're probably going to be in the semifinal. You know, do they have a chance to be in the final, just like everyone else? Because you know they have a good team, they have a good coach, they always play well at this time of year, and then Middle Tennessee to just. I said the ninety points. When I saw that, I I said, "Gee whiz, that's that's very very impressive." It, it wasn't some fifty eight fifty six type of game. They just, I mean, that wasn't lucky when you put ninety points on somebody. Yeah, you know, you ra- you really really raise a interesting point, AP. I mean, I hadn't quite looked at it that way, but you're absolutely right. You know. As everybody knows, Michigan State and every other team, you know, defense travels. You, you know, you, you can have off days shooting. Everybody has them, even the Golden State Warriors but and Steph Curry. But, you know, you, you, you always play defense, and they're obviously a very good defensive team under Tom Izzo for years. And yet, you're, the, the Middle Tennessee was just going up and down the floor on them, 90 points good point and, you know Michigan State even has you know a superstar to boot in addition to all the other things you know Darnell Valentine viewed by many as the potential player of the year uh, he was befuddled as well the entire team was uh, just remarkable to see you know uh, and really wh- who of us have ever watched Michigan State in, a, in an NCAA tournament game not giving them a chance to win, and in fact, a very, very good chance to win, or expecting them to win. They're, they're, they are that solid. They're, they are money, <laughs> year in, year out, which just makes the whole thing so incredible. Yeah, they're usually a tough out, John. I mean, they might get beat, but not get hammered the way they did by Middle Tennessee. Right, especially the number 15 seed over the number two. On opening day, <laughs> you know, just incredible. Uh, but yeah, it, it was amazing, uh, and just so many other, you know, great games and endings. Uh, you and I cover the American Athletic Conference. They were in the heart of it with, uh, and a couple of things. Cincinnati, the dunk being waved off. That was a split second after the. Uh, the buzzer went off, and I talked about this one where Iowa uh, got the putback to win their game at the buzzer against Temple, another AAC team. But there was the 
the mother of all push-offs. The guy just pushed, the Iowa guy pushed the Temple guy in the back completely out of the way. I, it, I watched it live, immediately saw it. They didn't call it. And the guy who did the pushing gets the ball, you know, puts it, put it, put it right back in, game over. Two-point win. So, you know, they didn't even acknowledge it on the broadcast till the very end. Uh, you know, after like three, four, five minutes of discussing the game and the great ending and blah, blah, blah. Uh, so that, that was disappointing. Um, but that's March Madness. That's what happened. It's just tough to, you know, like digest it all. But I watched that game with great interest. Temple, uh, AAC, Philadelphia, the whole bit. And so that, that would, that, I found that to be a disappointing ending. But yeah, again, not complaining. I also said Northern Iowa, the refs were fabulous in that crazy ending for Northern Iowa as well. Yeah, that, that was uh, something to behold, John. I mean, every year when, when I watch this tournament, you're always looking for a team to root for. Um, uh, right now, when I'm looking over the field, uh, the only rooting interest I really have right now is Iowa State. Uh, it's kind of an interesting story for people who don't know is Steve Prome the head coach of Iowa State, he was the basketball manager at the University of Alabama. He wasn't a player, but he was the manager. And he uh, worked through the years and became the head coach of Division One school, uh, State, and now he's at Iowa State. So that, that's kind of my leading interest. Wow. Well, that's good. That's good. You know, it's fun to really have, uh, you know, uh, a personal interest in, uh, in these games. Uh, just... Makes it that much more enjoyable, and uh, you know that's why I'm one of the reasons I'm mentioning the Temple game. My brother went to Temple Dental School, and uh, last year when I covered the AAC men's basketball championships in Hartford, uh, you know, met the coach Fran Dunphy, and was talking with some Temple people. So, uh, so yeah, you know, I, I'm from Pennsylvania. I have an interest in these Big Five teams, which will lead me to my closing note here. AP on this segment. Watch out for Villanova, boy. Are they getting hot at the right time, huh? Yeah, they sure have. They, they've been dominating. Uh, and it's something when you can get your players to recall a really bad memory of the NCAA tournament. So that must have stuck in their crawl. And now they're, they, they're ready to perform at a high level. And they might get beat, but somebody's going to have to knock them out. Correct. Well, they're going up against Kansas. Could be the game of the tournament tomorrow. Uh, a hot, hot, hot Villanova team against uh, the team most people think are going to win the national championship, Kansas. Uh, again, it should be spectacular stuff tomorrow night. And uh, Why don't we take our break for now? Um, but lots more to get to on the other side. what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. 
If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at Voice America TRN or twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports, and I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144. Or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., we're, of course, talking about March Madness and talked a lot about last weekend since it was maybe the greatest weekend ever in the history of the tournament. But last night was interesting. No buzzer beaters. All games were pretty much well in hand over the final five minutes, generally speaking. But, you know, my take-homes from last night were, you know, Villanova. It has to be Jay Wright's dream, the coach, uh, any coach's dream, to have a team. Not, it's an understatement to say they're playing their best basketball, you know, suddenly here. During the tournament, I mean, I saw some graphic where they're like the first team maybe ever to score 90 points plus in the first three games of the tournament. They are sizzling, and tomorrow against Kansas, tomorrow night should be incredible because Kansas is also great, as they showed last night, beating Maryland. Uh, great stuff last night. Again, no buzzer beaters or, or really great drama, but good stuff. Uh what jumped out at you last night, AP? Well, uh, last night, I think the ending of that that Oregon Duke game. I mean, I think there were probably people maybe they were surprised that the Ducks overwhelmed the Blue Devils, but uh, I wasn't a big believer in Duke this year. I don't think uh, I think you could beat them inside. And I guess at the conclusion of the game, when the clock was ticking down and. Uh, they shot the three-pointer, and, and then the handshake line, Coach K said something, a few words to the player about showing up at the end. So uh, 
And, and then the, the following conversation that Coach K, he kind of deflected the, the moment by saying he, he didn't really, uh, you know, instruct that, that young fellow to stop from shooting the ball. But the, but the player, you know, Grayson now he, he said, Coach K said, you, sh- you should be bigger than the, and better and not show up at the end of the game like that. So that, that was kind of interesting, that little controversy. Very interesting, as someone who uh, basically, you know, uh, saw Coach K and the entire Duke team up close and personal over the course of three, four days last week in Providence. Uh, you know, I really, uh, you know, got a better feel for the Duke pro- program than I've ever had before. I've covered them before in an NCAA tourney up here in Boston, but I was really, uh, you know able to observe Duke Nation and all that that means. So, yes, this is huge. I mean, you have uh, you got a he said, she said on her hands suddenly, uh, which is not something you see Coach K involved in often, but, you know, that's what's happening. There's no other way to say it. You have the kids saying that Coach K apparently said something to the effect of, you know, you're too good of a player to do that at the end. And Coach K, I saw the, you know, press conference replay this morning and he just uh, a sports writer asked that question exactly what'd you say to the Oregon kid or the Oregon kid said you said this and he said instantly I didn't say that so this is black and white it's going to be it may be the end of it it may not be but you know uh, I'd say coach K has a pretty good reservoir of goodwill build up right yeah yeah I think so I, I it's just interesting John that why would the, you know, why would Alan say that? Why would why would he, con- you know, concoct the story that a, a great coach like Coach K would say something? And why would he, you know, and he reaffirmed it a couple times as well. Why would he make up that story? I, I, I don't agree. know. If, you know, if Coach K had a second thought, and he uh, he wanted to deny it, but. Uh, I'm I'm having to side with the player from Oregon at this time. Yeah. uh, You know, why would he come up with such a a story? Right. Well, especially when you consider that if he doesn't say that, there is no story. All you have is people's personal opinions on a guy shooting a a 35-footer at the buzzer with a big lead that happened to go in. Uh, Period. I mean, he, he brought it on the kid who shot it, quote, committed the classless act, if you will, uh, is the one who brought it up, because I think it's pretty obvious that Coach K was not going to bring it up, right? Right, he wasn't going to bring it up, and and I think when you start to try to coach someone else's team, I I think that you're stepping over the line. Uh, That's something that you would take up with the other coach, I believe. I totally agree. I think even Coach K would admit, you know, if he said it, he shouldn't have said it. But, you know, uh, this could be a lip-reader bonanza. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) what else can you say? That's, uh, you know, unless somebody changes their story, and I think that's unlikely. You have a he said, she said, and you already, you know, are hearing the lip-reader stuff, Uh, you know, literally. So (laughs) Right. And, 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 John, I haven't had a chance to see the comments from the opposing coach, Dana Altman. I, I Nor have I. I. I haven't had a chance. So 
could you ima- I mean, you could imagine through the years all the comments that were made about Christian Leitner and, and uh, for some of his actions on the court. I, I just, I mean, I don't think Coach K was probably happy, but I'm sure he probably defended his the player. But when you go over the over the line and you're going to you're going to reprimand an opponent's, you know, the other player. I think that goes beyond, the, uh, you know, the behavior that a coach, an opposing coach, should have. I don't, I don't think you should take it up with the individual player. They're young, you know. Some of them may be immature, as we learned last night. But you should approach the other coach, you know, after the game, a week later when all things are said and done, possibly. But I don't think. I'm going to be on national TV, you know, where people can watch you. You have an extended conversation. It's unusual when a team, you know, you're shaking hands in, in the uh, at the end of the game. So I think Coach K, he should have just probably stood up and said, yeah, I, I said a few things. And, uh, you know, either he agreed with what he did or he said, yeah, I wish I hadn't done that. And but uh, maybe we can both learn something. Yeah, no, you're you raise just great points, interesting points, AP. I mean, he he, it seemed from what I saw, he clearly said something. He said something. I mean, it was you know, he says he didn't say what was what the kid said he said, but he clearly said a sentence or two to the kid, which you know, in a handshake line is in and of itself somewhat unusual. It's usually quote a handshake. And everybody just moves on. It's a split second. That it was not that something was. You know, they they did exchange a couple of sentences that appeared. Certainly, Coach K said something, but it's always fascinating. Go ahead, AP. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I'm saying John that uh, that normally, if there's an outstanding performance, the other coaches is telling the player, you know, good luck to you. You really are an impressive player. You know, right. And our our team couldn't stop you or something, or good luck to you in the future. But you know, and I'm not saying that the, the opposing coach cannot say something to a player, but normally it's not uh, to reprimand him for his action. And Coach K is saying generally that's what he said in the press conference. First, he said, "I didn't say it." What <laughs> right. was alleged, and the very next thing he said was, "How great a player this kid is." And yeah. If I heard it correctly, he didn't say, "This is what I said." This kid's a great. I told him how great a player he is. He just kind of said, "I didn't say it." And this kid is a great player. Blah blah blah. So yeah. he very well. If he, and again, since I think we, you know, I saw him at least speaking a sentence or two to the kid. There's the reasonable possibility, you know. Put two and two together, and I think what we have here is Coach K saying that he was complimenting on him on what a great player he is, period. So it's going to be fascinating, AP. You and I love this stuff. I mean, just to see what, if any, legs a story like this is going to have. You know, sometimes these things die that could be over by supper time tonight if it's not over already, or it could go on for a while. Uh, you, you just never know. <laughs> media legs I call it and you know and no oh, by the way you also have a little bit of you know uh, a, a byproduct of this whole thing is you know the player trying to hug Grayson Allen uh, from Duke a well known player as we all know accused uh, accused slash seen twice tripping opponents this year and you know I saw it 
I read some stuff before I saw it. When I saw it, you know, Alan just, he didn't do anything. He just kind of kept walking and sort of put up his right hand to sh- shield the kid away. But it wasn't a push or anything. It was, that one was totally much ado about nothing. Yeah. Although I don't, you know, the, the Oregon kid tried to hug him. And he just sort of kept on walking and, again, just put up his right arm to kind of shield him. He didn't elbow him. He didn't do anything. But right. that, that, you know. And I'm not sure if the kid who tried to hug him is the kid that was talking with Coach K. That, I, I, I think he might have, but I'm not positive about that. Yeah. And, but I could imagine. I was just thinking to myself, John, that what if one of the opposing coaches said something to one of his players? I mean, I don't know if it's happened in the past. But what would be Coach K's reaction? I know, I know. No, they're, they're, again, uh, Duke's done, so we may not be hearing from them, and it may just really just go away. And Oregon, uh, Oregon would have to be out of their minds to be focusing on anything but their Elite Eight matchup against Oklahoma tomorrow. And I mentioned Villanova. Oklahoma is also playing really, really well. So, you know, the, the, this one may fade away fairly quickly, um, I think. Uh, but we shall see. Yes, the timeline encourages that to go away very quickly. Correct, correct. All right, well, AP, hard to believe we're at the end of our third segment already. Still have a few more things to get to, as always, and we'll do that on the other side of the break. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America Interactive Radio Player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Check your feelings at the door and enter the Man Cave. Don't let the name fool you, because we're here for anybody that wants to talk and listen in. Hosts J.D. Harris and Ray Austin are here to lead the forum from the fans, former players, owners, execs, and coaches. While inside the Man Cave, you do whatever you like. We won't judge. We'll even go beyond sports to talk technology, current events, and entertainment. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I'm your host, John Inglesby. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, 
A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. Before we get started, my pick of the week and for appointment viewing is, of course, March Madness. Uh, by the time we all go to bed on Sunday night, and it'll be late, <laughs> we'll, uh, we will know the final four. So, need I say more? Uh, tonight, tomorrow, Sunday, nonstop March Madness basketball. There's nothing like it. And AP, we were, uh, of course, talking a lot of March Madness, but now it's time to switch to a, another couple of subjects uh, uh, in the world of football, which you and I always focus on, of course. Uh, you brought up a great point during the break. Kevin Turner died. Uh, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, Kevin Turner, he was a, a great fullback at Alabama. I haven't seen all the fullbacks in the history of the school, but he was the most versatile. He was a, a very good runner, excellent blocker, and uh, he was a tremendous pass receiver as well. He, he caught 48 passes when you're out with that record. That would be broken at Alabama, 48 receptions by a fullback. And he played professionally with the New England Patriots, Philadelphia Eagles. He was always a dependable teammate, well-liked. Um, he had the Lou Gehrig's disease, and he gave it a good fight, and he, he passed away uh, in Birmingham, Alabama, um, just yesterday. Well, that's so interesting, AP. You know, honestly, truthfully, I know I knew this, but I just forgot about it, that he played, of course, for Alabama. But the reason is very simple, is I, I watched him in the my early days as a Patriot season ticket holder, he was playing with Drew Bledsoe, and he provided one of the great moments ever in the history of the Patriots franchise. And it's a little overlooked now with four Super Bowls and all that's gone on here. Uh, this century, shall we say, but way back in the 1990s, I'll never forget it as long as I live, uh, Drew Bledsoe hit Kevin Turner with a pass in overtime. Uh to beat the Minnesota Vikings and get this, I'll never forget it, to win something that sounds like 53-47. to 47, One of the greatest games I've ever seen. Mm. Needless to say, Bledsoe and, and the Vikings, you know, Bledsoe and the Patriots, as well as the Vikings, just lit it up all day. I was sitting there as a fairly new season ticket holder in that old dump of a stadium, Sullivan Stadium, that was like a high school field. And... <laughs> I, I remember it like it was yesterday, AP, and that's what I was, you know, with Kevin Turner, uh, where I was just sitting there the whole game just thinking, like, how awesome it was to be, you know, we're, our seats were in the 11th row at the goal line, and both teams are just going up and down the field. Truly one of the great offensive displays, I believe, in the history of the NFL. You know, was, I think Bledsoe threw, I think when he hit Turner, that put him over the 500-yard mark in passing, if I remember correctly. We're going back 20 years here. But so Kevin Turner, uh, he made his mark in New England not only that day, uh, but that was his career moment in New England. But, you know, he he, just a solid, you know, excellent player here for the Patriots and highly regarded and well remembered by all here in New England. He's just a a nice person. Correct. Correct. you, you, You enjoy watching him display his skills which were multiple, and he, he was a valuable uh, teammate, and he, he contributed to winning. I mean, he was the kind of person that when Belichick talks about smart, tough football players, I mean, you could put a picture of Kevin Turner 
And that, that would be the, the definition. Smart, tough football player. That was Kevin King. Exactly, exactly. Of course, Belichick would have been his assistant coach back in those days here with the Patriots because Parcells was the head coach. Uh, and I would think Parcells would be the first to say that Kevin Turner was, you know, uh, the perfect Patriot, perfect kind of football player. Again, just a great personality. Uh, you know, a lot of mourning going on in the world of football. I mean, and we all knew about this Kevin Turner situation for the last couple of years, and we're watching it closely. I was, it was coming up often, you know, for me, and I'm sure for you as well. Yeah, he was, he was on the forefront of trying to come up with some settlement from the NFL, and he was interested in getting the money to the people of the former players as quickly as possible. And, uh, you know, he didn't want to see that happen exactly, but uh, he's a spokesperson for ALS, and people remember Kevin for a very long time. Absolutely. No, high profile. Uh, he, he left his mark, and uh, I think he really set things up for, uh, you know, others to fight the ALS fight going forward. And uh, so, sad to see Tevin, Kevin Turner uh, pass away, to say the least. Uh, you know, and speaking of Alabama football, you had the chance to see uh, the Alabama icon, Nick Saban, last night, correct? Yeah, correct. Uh, John, he was the featured speaker at the annual Key Focus fundraiser in Mobile at the uh, Arthur or Outlaw Convention Center here in Mobile. Uh, Mike Godfrey and, and Nikki Godfrey, his wife, uh, Mike's the former football coach at Pittsburgh and Cincinnati and Kansas, and a yeah, broadcaster. He has a foundation, and they mentor 10- to 18-year-old boys who don't have a father. And so this is something that's near and dear to Nick Saban. Nick Saban was 22 years old when he lost his dad. So this is the ninth consecutive year that he's come down to South Alabama to appear at the fundraiser and, and give a talk to the, to the large audience down here. That's terrific. Uh, I'm sure he was obviously well-received. He's the state of Alabama's number one citizen these days, obviously. And uh, how how was it? It must have been. It's always yeah. nothing like hearing Nick Saban talk anytime you can, right? Oh yeah, he he was great. He he didn't talk too much about football, John. Really good. His talk was more was more about the the program and his his next kids, which is they're trying. He has a foundation as well, and his wife. They try to give young people an opportunity to succeed in life. But we got a chance to visit with him before the event. And I guess uh, in the last couple of days, he was number 11 on the, the recently released Fortune Fortune Top 50 World Leaders list, if you can believe that. <laughs> Nick Saban. Yeah, yeah, the football coach at Alabama, number 11 on the list of the really? Fortune magazine. Yeah, it sure was. So wow. He, he was kind of chuckling about that when it was brought up to him last night. So that was kind of funny. You know, he... Somebody mentioned, you know, he's being from a small town of West Virginia, and the, the, the uh, media member said, Fairmont. He said, no, that's, I'm, I'm from the Monongah, and that's a little bit different than Fairmont. I have my wife from Fairmont, so he made the, he made the uh, correction right away. <laughs> right, and I, of course, used to live and work in Fairmont, West Virginia, right, right. near there. So, right. 
small world, and I will, I'll say, I think this reinforces what we both said, uh, that Nick Saban is the closest thing to a CEO in all of football. He looks, acts like a CEO of a Fortune 500 company, so I think it's, if anybody should have landed on that list from football, it's him. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of, kind of surprising, but, uh, but no. he got a big, big kick out of it. He, he enjoyed it. That's great. Way P, hard to believe it. We're at the end of our show. Thank you, as always, for your great contributions. My, my pleasure, John. Thank you very much. Thank you again, and as always, thank you all for listening to All Around Sports, and we look forward to doing it again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.